Welcome to the second episode of Think Twice. My name is Nicolas Krischi, and today I want to talk about sequencing your plays to play around cards. But before we do that, I want to talk about some general things. First off, I want to say thank you to all the comments on MTGCast and on Magic League. And I also want to mention some of those comments. First, on Magic League, some people told me that I was hard to understand because of my accent and the speed I was talking. I will try to get better at podcasting. Then I also want to mention a comment from Brian on NTGCast. He told me that I actually forgot a one-off. And he was right. He was talking about the fifth off, which is often, or which is always a one-off. This one-off might get you some value, because if you have something like Burst Lightning, you may be able to kick it later. For the rest of the game, it just works as your fifth lightning bolt or something else. I just wanted to mention it for the sake of completeness. Okay, now I want to say something about the regularity of this podcast. I will try to make the podcast every week, but I will promise to make it every two weeks. Unless something out of the ordinary happens. Last week I tried to record this episode already, but I had some problems with the recording software. Before we jump into our topic, I wanted to mention something else. Uh, in this podcast, I will try to apply game theory to magic. Because I know game theory from poker, I will use some poker terms that I want to explain right now. The first term are the outs. Outs are the cards you are able to draw from your deck to win the game or to swing the game in your favor. The second term I want to mention are the odds. Odds are the percentages you have to draw certain cards. I think that should do it for now. But if some other terms occur, I will explain them as we go along. Okay, sequencing. The first kind of sequencing I want to talk about are multiple plays on the same turn to play around the cards like Counterspell. If your opponent is playing something like 4 mana league and he has drawn a total number of 8 cards, he has a 36% chance of having them in his hand. How do, did I come to that conclusion? Okay, we know he already played 2 cards and he has a total number of draws of 8. But since he had 2 lands in those draws, he actually has only 6 draws with 4 outs from a deck with only 58 cards, because we already know he had two lands. Okay, that makes, like I said before, a chance of 36%. But what does that mean for us? Well, it means for us that in more than 50% we are right to not play around Counterspell. In terms of game theory, this means game theory on the first level tells us we shouldn't play around Counterspell because most of the times he will not have it. Or not most of the times, but more than 50% of the times, which matters. So the odds are in our favor. Because we are talking about making multiple plays on the same turn, it doesn't really matter how the odds are. We usually should make the worst play first and then play the, s the better play second. Because our opponent might just counter the first play. Some opponents, however, will almost always counter the second play if you're playing like a one drop on turn two. Well, in this case, 
you should notice it and on the second time around you play the better play first and the worst play second. This will not always work but you have a, at least a better shot because you already saw what your opponent did. So you always have to adapt with everything I tell you. If you see your opponent making odd decisions or other decisions than you expected him to do. That should actually do it with multiple plays in one turn because most of people already know it and it's not really hard to understand. But what happens if you can't play multiple plays in one turn? Let's say you have the decision between a turn to Tamagoyf or a turn to Quasali Pride Mage against a Pyromancer's Ascension. You should remember though that your opponent only has four cards and only four counter spells to handle your Quasali Pride Mage. Once your opponent has seven or more cards that can handle your card, the odds are in his favor. I will go into detail about this later and how to evaluate what or how many cards your opponent might have. Back to our example. Okay, in this case I think you should play the Quasali Pride Mage first because if he only has four counter spells, he is less likely to to have the counter spell than when you wait. And you don't actually get a lot by waiting. You might just top take the counter spell for all we know. So I think in this very, very rare and special case, you should play the Corsali Pride match first. If you think though that your opponent has more answers to it, or even worse, he has something like Lightning Bolt, you should almost always play the Tamagoy first because it applies more pressure. And it's better for your gameplay overall. He also might just use his one answer to the Tamagoyf and you still have the hate beer in your hand or later than in play. Let's get to a little bit more complicated example. Let's say you have an Avis Archruid and you can play also an Avis Visionary and a Lenoir Elf on your second turn. At this point you should always think about what you're gaining and what you're losing. If you play the Archdruid on the second turn and your opponent doesn't have an answer, you're gaining some powerful turn 3 plays. If you're not playing him and playing the Visionary and the Lenoir Elf, you don't get to make those extremely powerful turn 3 plays, but you don't get your Archdruid countered or killed for that matter. So now, but what should you actually do? I think in this case you should always play the Archdruid on the second turn. It forces your opponent to have an answer to the Archdruid or most likely lose the game. At least if you have a dedicated elf deck that is trying to capitalize on all the mana you are generating. Although your opponent isn't all that likely to counter or kill your Elvis Visionary or your Lenoir Elf. Also, if you don't play your Archdruid on the second turn, you actually have to wait another turn to actually use it, even if he does kill your Visionary or your Elenoir. Now I want to put it into general terms. Okay, the more powerful your second turn play is, the more you should be likely to just play it just out now and force your opponent to handle it. Also, it matters if your play gets worse when you wait. But if you have two very similar plays, let's say a Watchwolf and a Wentz Run Vanquisher, you should almost always make the worst play first and the better play second. Because it doesn't really matter what 
um, your opponent is countering or killing and even if the odds are way 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 in your favor that he doesn't have it it probably doesn't matter all that much although you should think about how many cards he has if he has seven or more cards you're actually making the right play in terms of game theory if he has less than seven cards you're making the one wrong play but always keep in mind what are you gaining and what are you losing by making the right play in terms of game theory now we're switching the sides now you're the guy holding the mana league and you have a volcanic fallout in your deck your opponent played a first turn steplings and is now playing a second turn goblin guide leaving green and white open you also know that your opponent plays white nakatl too so what are you doing let's look at the odds again okay your opponent is playing a 60 card deck with 12 one drops you also know he had two lands and a one drop already played so he basically has a deck of 65 cards 65 remnant cards he could have he has 10 out because he already he is already playing the goblin guide and he had four draws because he played two lands and two creatures so the odds of him having another one drop are 55 percent that means he's slightly favorable to have another one drop in terms of game theory that would mean you should probably hold your mana league and not counter the first one drop because he probably has another one which is at least as good or might be even better than his first play but i'm telling you right now it's probably better to play the mana league there are several reasons for this first off your opponent might play less than 12 one drops and you don't actually know that so let's say in 10% of the time he doesn't have 12 one drops he just has 10 one drops at this point the odds would already be better for you to counter right now okay so in 10% of the time you are actually gaining something by countering first but there's even more <coughs> what if your opponent doesn't actually play his second one drop although he has it in his hand let's say the odds of that are quite small so i would say maybe in two percent of the time your opponent doesn't do that because he's a great reader or something like that you also have to think about what you're actually gaining by countering the second one drop okay it's basically only better if you counter white nakatl if you have volcanic fallout in your deck or some other um, creature kill spells that do two damage if you only count the white cutlass out it gets even worse for you not countering and once again what are you gaining and what are you losing so you if you're not countering you can lose the usage of your mana which is actually quite important so it's bad if you don't use your mana and you don't disrupt your opponent as well you're gaining you might gain a small advantage if you actually draw the right card in that case the volcanic fallout if you then play the white card. now i want to talk about a limited game between my girlfriend and a friend of hers the game i'm talking about was actually a game too my girlfriend's friend had a board of two Azuri's archer and one is a renegade leader and my girlfriend had two 
3-3 flyer. My girlfriend's friend had actually quite some decisions to do. She could either attack and pump, which would put my girlfriend down to something like 7, or she could play a Molder Beast and attack with only one Azuri's Archer before playing it, or she could just pass the turn. This situation actually got me thinking. When is it right to attack and pump? When is it right to play the Molder Beast? And when is it right to just say go? First I want to talk about when attacking and pumping is right. Attacking and pumping is right first if you have a weak deck and your opponent has a lot better deck than yours. Second, it's better when your opponent doesn't have a lot of spot removal, which means you didn't see a lot of removal. And third, it's better if your opponent has a lot of bombs, because then it's really important to win before his bombs get online. It's worse when you have a lot of bombs or you have late game advantage over your opponent. Now I want to talk about when playing the Molder Beast is right. I think playing the Molder Beast is right if you don't have a lot of bombs and your opponent has a lot of spot removal but not a lot of bombs. In this case you want to develop your board more because then putting that much pressure on your opponent and just getting blown out by a spot removal because you get tempoed out is a lot worse. Okay, the last thing is obviously when to not attack at all or at least just with one guy and not playing the Molder Beast. I think that's only the case if you're having a deck full of bombs and you're or you're having a late game advantage. Generally speaking this means if you have a deck full of bombs you should play more defensively. If you have a worse deck than your opponent you should play more offensively and if your opponent has a lot of spot removal you should develop your board more. This may be obvious to some of you but not to all so I thought I mentioned it. There's one last thing I want to talk about and that's playing around cards like Day of Judgment by not playing your cards. First off, the odds again. I won't explain how I came to them, I think you already know. Okay, the odds of your opponent having a turn for Day of Judgment if he didn't make any plays but lands are 47%. And the odds at turn 4 Day of Judgment. And the odds of having a turn 5 Day of Judgment are 51%. So basic game theory tells us that we shouldn't play around a turn 4 day of judgment but we should play around a turn 5 day of judgment that is if he only has 4 lands and no other plays at all you're seeing that I'm kind of dumbing the game down a little bit but that's because we need to make it simple or keep it simple in order to make a decision we then later can think about other stuff that happens and also apply that but I'm telling you right now that it's wrong to play around Day of Judgment in game 1. Why? Because you don't know how many Day of Judgments he's actually playing. He might not play 4, he might just play 3 or 2. At this point the odds increase tremendously for you not playing around Day of Judgment. Also, usually in game 1 your opponent doesn't know what you're playing. So he isn't actually looking for Day of Judgments in his opening hand. Last but not least, we also have to think about what we are losing and what we are gaining. 
by playing around Day of Judgment, we are gaining to not lose or at least be in a bad position after he resolves Day of Judgment. But we are gaining actually quite a bit. First off, we probably kill him if he doesn't have Day of Judgment, at least if you have a good aggressive deck and he doesn't have a lot of disruption early. Although if he has a lot of disruption early, he's less likely to have Day of Judgment because he actually has less random cards in his hand, so less uh, the odds decrease for him having Day of Judgment. There's even more though. He also doesn't know what you're playing in the first game, so he isn't actually looking for Day of Judgments in his opening hand. So I think if you take all that into consideration, it's pretty clearly that you shouldn't play around Day of Judgment in game one. If you are still not convinced, there's also a little thing that most people forget. If you're playing around Day of Judgment, you're opening yourself to lose to a sequence of other cards, which means it's even worse to play around Day of Judgment because he might just win by using other cards and not having Day of Judgment at all. It changes though drastically in games 2 and 3. In games 2 and 3, he's more than likely to have 4 Day of Judgment and he also knows what you're playing. So he probably keeps hands that have either Day of Judgment or Early Disruption. So you should really, really play around Day of Judgment if he doesn't have any Early Disruption for you because it's actually a tell or he's just a bad player. But I, we can't really take that into consideration unless you have a good read on him. But keep in mind, even if he's a bad player, that doesn't mean he just draws Day of Judgment naturally, even if he kept a hand without Day of Judgment, or although he might be a bad player, he still might just have a Day of Judgment in his opening hand. Okay, that was the basic principle. But playing around Day of Judgment in game 1 can also be right. Let's say you have the kill on board and you can play another creature or two, two more creatures. I think if you have not a lot of burn in your deck, you should play one more creature to kill him in two turns, even if he has a spot removal spell. If you have a lot of burn, I might consider not playing the creature, also a creature at all, because you actually it's actually fine for you to bring him down to low life totals, because a lot of cards will kill him. That's obviously better if you have the burn already in hand, or even if you don't have it in hand, I think it's better then to not play around the spot removal, since it's almost the same. You're gaining more by playing around Day of Judgment at this point. Like I said before, always think about what you are losing and what you are gaining. That's the key to making the right play. Okay, I'm already at 19 minutes, so I really should wrap this episode up. I'm sorry that this episode took so long, but I think I had a lot to say and I hope you enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to your comments on MTGcast and on Magic League. One last thing. For all the calculations I made, I wrote a little program. I will attach it to the show notes. Then I wish you all a nice week and goodbye.